Kylie Penn. And I'm Corey Murray. And you're listening to... Yes, girl! Look at us! Just all the harmonies today, Corey. The harmonies! Today's guest is the one and only Grammy Award-winning artist and faith-based author Lecrae. His new album, Restoration, is out now, and his book, I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith, will be out in October, y'all. Corey, did we not just have the absolute best conversation with Lecrae? Yes, we did, Charlie Penn. And, you know, what was so fulfilling about it is, you know, in this pandemic time, we're all trying to figure out ways to stay motivated, keep our faith, you know, be optimistic. But, you know, sometimes things are hard. But I'm telling you, after talking with Lecrae, I was like, I think I need to do more work in keeping my faith at a certain level. Yeah, he he's so deep in that he really thinks about the meaning behind everything that he goes through, Mm -hmm. which often leads us to faith, right? And optimism, like you said. And speaking of, this is random, but whenever I need a pick-me-up, I swear I always play Sounds of Blackness, The Optimistic. Girl. That song will never get old for me. There (laughs) is, hold on, let me, I'm going to pull it up really Do you have one of those, Corey? I do have one of those. As long as you keep... Your head to the sky. Okay, I got it. Okay, I got it. I'm good. What you're talking about has got me thinking about a post that Yvonne Orji, shout out to her Emmy nod. Yes. 35 Um, black folk, 35 black folk. She posted on Instagram, and I'm just going to read it real quick. She says, woke up this morning and wasn't feeling it. Watched a sermon and still wasn't feeling it. Laid in bed, scrolling online and didn't feel it either. Finally decided to get up and said to myself, something good will happen to me. Showered, got cute and bumped the essential Kirk Franklin playlist. That's when I felt a joy. My joy kicked in when I decided to do something about it. And I really love that because it's like to your point, a song just changed her whole mood. Oh, yes. And, you know, if you follow Yvonne, you know, she's a very um, faith centered person. Like she goes to church. She talks about God a lot. She's writing a book about her faith. So for her to be honest about, yo, just wasn't feeling it today. But then that song came in and lifted her spirits. I totally agree with you. And I do love the sounds of blackness. Girl, as soon as I play it, like I can be in tears. And when that comes on, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like I can feel my spirit getting off its knees right? And getting back together. And you're right. It is musical, I think, for a lot of people. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with Lecrae's huge fan base and following. Because, you know, as an artist with a lot of Christian fans, you know, and and that, and really in that faith-based space, your music really speaks to people. And he was giving a word about, like, he talked about taking huge leaps of faith in his life, um, metaphorically speaking, and also what that did for him and recognizing that growth. And I'm curious, Courtney. What is the biggest leap of faith you've ever taken through? Ooh. It doesn't have to literally be like jumping out of a plane, just in general. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, not that I know, but because I was thinking like, okay, I did jump off a fall, but that wasn't it. Long story short, my biggest leap of faith was really moving to New York City. As much as I dreamed of being here, um, quick uh, Corey story, I wanted to come to NYU for grad school. Because I, I love New York. I love, love, love New York. But I did have some teachers. I had some mentors who basically talked me out of it and said that, you know, I was a Southern girl and I was a little too naive to be in a big city. 
I remember one teacher telling me specifically, he was like, do not try to go to NYU's uh, campus in the village. Maybe you should go to Pace University because they have a Westchester uh, campus and that might be a little bit better for you. You need the suburbs. Uh -uh. And I remember being like, damn, what? But I started believing them and I ended up going to Hampton because I said, well, Hampton's going to be safer. Fast forward to graduate from Hampton. I'm at home being in a mood, a negative mood, because I was like, oh, I want to go to New York, but I'm scared. The more I sit at home, I'm scared. I'm scared. And my mother literally buys my bus ticket and was like, you got to go. Because if you don't do this, you got to go. So with her faith and then my faith, I did it. I met my great aunt, went to live in her apartment for six months, and I finally got my own place. But my biggest leap of faith was moving to New York. And look at what you did in New York, okay? Can we just snap for a minute for Corey's career after she took a leap of faith for herself and came to NYC and became the Corey Murray on the Essence masthead that I used to see and stand for? Hello. I just did snaps, all the snaps for your career, Corey. Because look, look at what you, you came you. to New York and did. I know, like, but I was scared, y'all. I was scared. This big old city. No, but I think, and you know what's interesting? It's, you're right. And so many of us have stories about people essentially giving us their feedback and their advice, but ultimately talking us out of something that we're already afraid of. And it doesn't, and, and it happens with career, with life changes. In my case, it happened with love. Like I would say, and y'all, <laughs> in a way I know y'all knew this was coming, but um, I think the biggest leap of faith I took in that regard was believing that I had met my husband at 21. I remember because, telling this story. I love this story. Yeah, because I was 21 when I met G. He was 23. I had just graduated from Spelman. I had just gotten back up to New York. I was kicking off my magazine career, applying to grad schools all over the country. And I was very much like, I'm about to, you know, live in a rom-com movie and just be out here dating and, you know, living my best New York City life and being cute and figuring out who I am as a woman and a journalist. And then here comes this incredible man. And I just knew but no one else around me knew and nobody else around me believed it. And when I say that, I mean, they knew he was great, but like, imagine being 21 telling somebody, I know this man is going to be my husband. You know what they said? They said all the things they're supposed to say. You're too young. Couples have to grow together. Who you are at 21, you won't be at 31 or 41 and all of those things. And thankfully I took that leap anyway. I never said I can't be in love right now because the timing isn't right which is what the world taught me. Even though I had to move to California for grad school, I still followed my dreams, but I never let go of the love that I felt just because other people told me I was crazy. And I think it turned out okay. We're celebrating our 10 year anniversary next, in October. <laughs> I think it turned out really funny. I got a big old beautiful house. Yeah, I think we beautiful family. Out. Yes, I think you're right. It's interesting, Corey, because you're right. Like people don't mean any harm. And I want to stress this. Like the people who felt that way, they were probably scared of you being in New York. The people who felt that way didn't want me to get my heart broken. But those leaps of faith, y'all, we got to take them. We got to trust that gut, that, that, that sixth sense, I call it. You know that moment where you're just like, I love when people say, I'm betting on myself. So you guys, tell us a moment where you bet on yourself and you took a huge leap of faith. Let us know using hashtag Guest Girl Podcast. And seriously, let us know. We celebrated 5 million. We know y'all out there. Talk to us. We miss you. We love talking to you. We love growing with you. I mean. But let us know what you did. Maybe we can be inspired too, because Lecrae definitely inspired us. But hold on. Before we get into our incredible interview with Lecrae, 
you know, I have questions. So can we talk about the fact that we are about to get the versus battle blessing we all wanted and needed and never thought we would get coming in the form of Brandy versus Monica? Girl, what snacks are we bringing? Are you prepared? I, don't, I'm, I gotta I, get a snack list. I, I don't know if I'm bringing snacks, but I do want to dust off, and I'm totally taking this from someone's IG. I want to go find my Black Wedge. Yes. Eve Madden. Yes. Platform. I guess they weren't a wedge. It was a platform sandal with yes. the elastic, the thick elastic uh, cover. Ooh, I remember. And they were like, <laughs> someone, someone posted a picture of it and said, girls are going to be stepping into the verses. Like 90s black women are going to step into the verses. You know what I want to wear? I want to wear a bodysuit and my overalls. Remember those looks? Like I want to give you TLC, crazy, sexy, cool, casual, mixed vibes. I may do a little flannel tied up. You know what I'm saying? But I'm serious. I think I don't just go to show out. I, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a dark brown lip liner. You got to. And then I'm going to get the matte. What matte color was that everybody It was the matte. Oh, I was just thinking it was like about a that. lip glass. It was the, the lip glass line. It was like the clear explicit. Yes. Was it explicit? It was I don't explicit remember. or y'all, what MAC lip gloss was that? Come on, come on, somebody. Tell it, tell it. It was a liner and a lip combo. It was the lip, it was a clearish kind of color, like a lightly colored hue yes. uh, lip glass. That lip glass used to be so sticky, girl. My hair it was to be always so different. sticky. But we live for it. Pattern. I'm gonna get a nice flat. I, actually, I'm gonna do a flip. Get a flip. You know what? I think I have time to get box braids. I'm about to call Mary. I feel like I need to be flipping some braids for this, right? In fact, who's coming to my house? Because, Corey, you come in. I need somebody to go back to back with like they did in the Boy's Mind video so we can sing. It has to happen. Charlie, it stop it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, we have to act up. I got all dressed up for Teddy and Babyface, like date night candles and everything. So I feel like I need to come correct for this 90s Queens. And I honestly, I don't care who wins. I just want to experience it. I know. I don't care who wins. I think hearing their sounds side by side, back and forth, and them together talking about the music, that's gonna I'm be, living for this conversation. No, that's going to be beautiful. And I heard that there was going to be in Atlanta, they were going to be in the studios. I mean, I mean granted, that's, the, that's been the format of the verses lately, but... I just, because now I can imagine if Jill Scott and Erica had been in the same room, but Girl. yeah, it's, um, yeah. If vibes. Jill and Erica had been in the same room, we wouldn't have been able to see them. The incense, the weed. <laughs> I'm glad they're separate. The candles, it would have caught fire, girl. It was so everything. That would have been too much black girl magic. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> I know this is random, but this is what I just envisioned. Did you ever see Sorry to Bother You? Yes. <laughs> you remember that scene with Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Jer Jermaine Fowler when they were giving each other compliments, but they were arguing? Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. It's going to be Brandy and Monica. They were like, but you did this, sis, and you did th I just feel like there's going to be some Well, I'm actually here. Love being yes. with each other. I think so, but I'm, and to your point, I'm here for the healing and like the friendship. Obviously, for years, we have been reading that these two women don't get along the best, right? But we know both their hearts, like we've talked to them, they've both been guests on the show. And I, I used to always be like, but how, right? So I really think we're gonna get like that real sister girl, like, girl, we're good. And they might have some stories. 
That's why I said I got I need snacks. Like this isn't just about the outfit. <laughs> they have to tell stories. All right. This is the last thing I'm gonna say about it. Here's the snack I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a Midori sour. Yes, I that did. was my drink. Me too. Yes, Midori sour. Girl, you just took me back to the club in Atlanta. So I'm gonna do my lips. I'm gonna have a Midori sour, and I'm gonna get my platform black wedges. All right, I'm seriously doing the bodysuit and the uh, the overalls. I have okay. some little booty short overalls too. I need to find my like boots. Like I need some. I guess I could throw my Timberlands. The they're always oh occasions, all occasion Timberlands. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They're both sweetie pies, and I'm this gonna be good. Tell us what snacks y'all bring in and what '90s outfits you will be wearing to the verses. Hashtag Guest Girl Podcast. Does anyone have some Doc Martens to loan me? Um, what am I, What do we need, Corey? Can anybody braid my hair? And who's coming over? Hashtag Guest Girl Podcast. <laughs> and which drink goes with Corey's Midori Sour? Okay. Yes. Okay, let's get into this LaCrae interview. Y'all gonna love it. All right, Charlie, we about to be blessed. Yes. With a good we about to word. get a word. A I word. Already I already oh, wow. know. I'm a good brother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us the co-owner and president of Reach Records, a two-time Grammy Award winner, a 15-time Dove Award winner, a New York Times bestseller, the first hip-hop artist to win the Grammy for Best Gospel Album for his album Gravity, and the first rapper to win a BET Awards Best Gospel Album, and he needs no other further introduction. Please welcome Lecrae. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All of that. Do you ever get my, tired of hearing your receipts run through like that? Hey, listen, you know, my greatest accomplishment is being married to a black woman and raising a black daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we love hearing you talk about your personal life and being a husband and a father so beautifully. Let me just also add that, like you said, to your receipts, because you're yeah. so proud of that. And we can tell. No, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor. I'm honored. So, Lecrae, we, you know, at Yes Girl, we, you know, we don't tend to boast, but a little birdie sent us a preview of your new book, which is coming out in the fall. It's called mm-hmm. I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion, But I Found My Faith. Love mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been flipping through it, but I really stopped on the chapter where you, I believe it's called Opening the Closet. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, what really stood stood out uh, is I think about that quote that a lot of people say all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Now, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. I don't know my Bible like I should, but I do. <laughs> uh, but shout out to Ashley Hobbs, our amazing uh, producer. You know, she read me the scripture and I know Paul says it. But what stuck for me in this chapter of the book is that you said, People tend to want to have a Pauline type faith, but they should really have a Christ centered faith. Can you mm-hmm. talk to me? Can you talk to us about that? What you what you meant by that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I think a lot of us um, we grow up in church culture, and um, and historically, it, it's very strict. It's very uh, there, there are these figures in our lives that were saying, you know, you, 
you know, you got to muscle up and, and just grit, grit iron type of faith. And I think when we look at Paul, we see Paul, you know, being shipwrecked and just traveling and being in prison. And we, and we, we, we can tend to want to walk in those footsteps and, and, but then we develop this self-righteousness like, well, look what I'm doing. Well, you see, look what I know and look what I've been through. Whereas, you know, Christ went through pain as well. I mean, he's God in the flesh, but he never came with the self-righteous attitude. He ate with the people they said he shouldn't have eaten with. He hung with the people they say he shouldn't have hung with. And if anybody had the right to throw a stone, it was him. And he never threw a single stone. And I think that's the 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 countenance and the the way we should carry ourselves um, as 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 followers of God. No, I really love that. And also with this chapter, you talked about it. You talked about your time in Egypt, which I thought was really interesting that you went there as a, you know, sort of in a way to mend your marriage or to restore. Reconnect, reconnect. Restore. See what I did there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Restore your marriage. Um, but as you were going around to all these historic uh, biblical places or, or faith-centered fa- places, your own faith was being restored because you were on the brink of, you know, walking away. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about this? Let's let's get into like what does restoration mean to you? Yeah, I think um, so. I, I didn't. I grew up around church. I didn't grow up in church. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was. I didn't believe in God. Um, and when I kind of walked through life, I had to confront this reality of if if I if I think I have worth and value and purpose, then, then I've got, that came from somewhere. If I'm just a bunch of atoms and cosmic material, then I can't have purpose because I'm just a product of chance. So if I believe I have purpose, it came from somewhere. So I had to investigate that. And, and when I went through my faith crisis, I went kind of, I tried to backtrack and say, I don't know if this whole God thing is real. Cause I don't like the way church folk is acting and so on and so forth. But then I couldn't deny that I felt like I had purpose and value, but where did it come from? So I had to say, okay, well, you know, I'm wrestling, I'm stuck here. And I, and there's a lot of great, you know, of course we were dealing with a racial crisis in America and, and I just did not like what I was seeing. And I'm like, God, where are you at in all this stuff that's going on? So it started me on a little bit of a faith crisis and, you know, just being honest, you know, if, if, if I don't have any guardrails, if I don't feel like God is, is, is real, then I'm like, well, shoot, I can do whatever I want to do. Cause ain't no right. Ain't no wrong. And that kind of took me off the path, you know, where I was just out there, just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, um, obviously that's not healthy for a marriage. Uh, if, if, you know, I'm out in the streets getting in, in the fights and, you know, dealing with flirtatious women and whatnot, it's kind of like, oh, you know, being flirtatious myself, I'm not going to blame it on the women. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was not healthy for my, my soul, nor my marriage. It was not, uh, it wasn't me respecting the gifts that I had been given. And so I said, all right, this is my last ditch effort before I just go off the deep end. Um, babe, we're going to Egypt because I'm, I'm in a bad shape. And she was like, you absolutely right. We're going to Egypt because you are in bad shape. (laughs) So, um, that was restorative because it gave us time alone, time to focus on each other and time to grow and process and not have a lot of the, 
the racial issues that were going on in America thrown in our face. And also just to see the history. We got this rich history that God has done so much stuff throughout time. Sometimes I think we, we look so narrow. We look at what's happening in our day and time and we don't realize there's a long history that he's, he's been consistent and working through. So that was, that was so helpful and healing for us. And it brought us closer together and closer to God. I love how much you credit your marriage and your family with being part of your restoration. Um, because, you know, I think people talk a lot about coming back from a dark place or a deep place being a personal journey. And mm-hmm. it is, but our network, right, our circle of trust and our community is very much a part of that. And I think you've been very open about them being part, your wife and your kids being part of the restoration for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that your close friends, your family, they're all affected by your dysfunction. So when you're doing bad, it affects more than just you. And, and, and in the same sense, they're all affected by your health. They're all affected by your growth. And so a healthy you creates a healthy them uh, because you're now responding to them out of your health. You know, I was talking to my mother the other day and, you know, she was a single black mom doing the best she could trying to work out all the details and, and navigating everything in life. And she said, you know, um, Sometimes I was just so stressed out, I would fly off the handle. And, and you know, sometimes the back of my hand may have met the front of your face, you know? And I said, I was like, yeah, she said, but um, that was the result of a lot of trauma that I had experienced. And so because I'm not healthy, I'm giving my son my dysfunction. And, uh, and she says, you know, as I grew and as I matured and as I went to counseling and therapy, I became a healthier person. And then you got the benefit of that. And so I think it's the same pattern is that when we're dysfunctional, that affects everybody else around us. And when we're healthy and when we're dealing with restoration, it, it has the reverse effect. It, it heals everyone around us. They say hurt people, hurt people will heal people, heal people. So true. So my next question is sort of twofold. How did this restoration that you've been going through um, impact you now as we're in a pandemic? Mm-hmm. You know, you're spending more time at home. You're now out connecting with the people. And then also, how did it impact you working on this new album? Which I got to say, The Deep End is my favorite song. Hey, thank I you. I love it. I love The Deep End. Appreciate that. Um, you know, 2020 has had its fair share of challenges um, for all of us. I don't think it's a matter of, you know, us, can we change the situation we're in? Um, I think it's a matter of can we be changed in the situation that we're in? Um, and, and that's where we we have to, you know, come to a reality. I think I think first, you know, I panicked like everybody else did. Oh, my God, what does this mean? What am I going to do? Uh, you know, I'm freaking out. I'm wrapping myself in saran wrap and wondering about my stocks and bonds. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of phase one. But then phase two was. um you know, this like, well, I'm going to be better at the end of this and I'm going to just grit and grind my way through it. And, you know, I'm going to do 50 pushups and read all these books. And, and, and maybe the, the goal of it is not to be busier. Maybe the goal of it is to take time, to take self inventory, to look around you, to pause, to stop, to reflect. And that's where I really began to grow and where I really began to create good music and began to process and, and really be a better version of myself because I, I stopped moving at the speed of light, calmed down, was able to take more inventory, was able to see what's going on around me 
and connect better. And, uh, and I think that, that helped me write music that helped me, uh, get more involved in my community, connect better with my family. And, uh, I think in that regard, it's been good. I can't change what's going on out here, but, um, but I can be changed in the midst of it all. So, and that's, that's kind of been my goal is how can I grow? I'm not trying to be super busy, but I am trying to be intentional. You once said that people think God is transactional, mm-hmm. but his the relationship is relational. And mm-hmm. more so in that it's not about him giving you what you ask for and you getting it as much as he wants to journey with you. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. Do you feel wow. like that has been your story since discovering that and how you, your motto toward your career? and where Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think we, we're so used to transactional relationships. You know, we're just used to that. We're, that's how we navigate life a lot of times. And, uh, we, our food is cold, put it in the microwave, bam, transaction happens. And I think that's what we expect from God. And, and, you know, um, I wish, I wish I would be a transactional husband. You know what I mean? I wish I would. My wife would be like, you've lost your mouth. If I just knock on the door, hey, baby, I bought you some flowers. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm sleeping on the couch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so she wants relational. She wants, you know what? I thought of you and I thought of how much you sacrifice and how amazing you are. And I thought, I need to, I need to celebrate you. So I bought you these flowers to celebrate you today. Now that's relational. It may not have changed what she's going through today, but it was a seed sown in the process of her going through stuff and, and, and getting better. And that's really what God does. God doesn't just snap his fingers and say, oh, you, you, you know, you stressed out. You've got some some physical ailments or illnesses. I'm going to snap my fingers and make it go away. No, he wants you to know I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be here. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm, a, I'm a reminded of a scripture where there's a man who's paralyzed and he's been laying by this pool and, you know, they dip themselves in a pool to get healed. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible says every so often, you know, an angel appears and, and the water heals these, the person who gets in there. Well, he's paralyzed. And he's like, I've been waiting here 38 years trying to get somebody to roll me into this water. And Jesus comes over and says, do you want to be well? And he's like, yes. He says, well, get up and walk. Now we read that and think, man, look at Jesus just snuck in there and blink of an eye healed this man. That man was there for 38 years. And so sometimes we go through that process before we have the breakthrough so that we can appreciate the what's happened for us and through us and to us. And sometimes God won't get you out, like my grandma said, but he'll get you through. Mm. So, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that anecdote because I'm going to tie it to um, another queen right now that we're all loving, Beyonce. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, when... Um, Beyonce, I believe, did a speech to college graduates or high school graduates. And there was a part of the speech that really stuck with me because she says, I've yes, I'm a Grammy Award winner. I've won 28 Grammys, but I lost 47 times. Mm. And it was in her losing that she found she didn't really find herself, but she found but there were lessons there. There was growth yeah. there. Because kind of like what you're saying, like you are talking about that win, but what about all the the huffing and the, yeah. you know, the, the exercising and the getting through and the falling down that you had to get through that makes that win so much better. 
So much better. There's no triumph without trial. Funny Beyonce story. I was in New Zealand and it ties into what you're saying. I was in New Zealand. I am, uh, there's this, this 600 foot tower and they say, hey, people base jump off of this. They jump off of this with like a little simulation parachute. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that is crazy. And we had a little bet. They said, I bet you won't do it. I said, I'll do it. I don't care. You know, I was joking. And I was like, I'll do it. I don't care. But then I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, this is kind of scary. And I get inside and they have a video playing of Beyonce jumping off of it. So I said, oh, well, if the queen can do it, I can do it. Stupid logic, because she can do tons of things I can't do. So, you know, I don't know where that logic came into play. Um, But I get to the top and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is too crazy. I don't think I can do this. And they said, okay, well, can you step aside real quick and let this 11-year-old girl jump? So this 11-year-old girl jumps off the tower and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have got to do this. But it's standing on the edge. As I'm standing on the edge of that, it it was like a metaphor for me of standing on the edge of something new and standing on the edge of of change and progress. And you've got to face everything that you've gone through. And, you know, I talk about that in my book is facing everything in your closet. And you've got to face that and take that leap. And, you know, that's a part of of the journey. You can't get to the new place that you've got to get to if you don't ascend to those heights, if you don't climb those steps, if you don't face those fears, and if you don't confront them and become the new version of, of yourself. So what has community and friendship meant to you as you've navigated being a public figure? Because we know fame is not easy. Oh my gosh. You know what? Um, you talk about that a lot in your book, wanting to just, fame is what really hurt your spirit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it cripples you. Um, on one end of the spectrum, and this is so sad and unfortunate, especially for like a, a lot of our young black kids. We struggle so much with identity and value and worth, you know, living in this in this world where, you know, we don't see a black version of Steve Jobs or uh, Zuckerberg or, uh, you know, Bill Gates. Right. We just have everyone is famous you know, in the black community. And so we associate fame with worth so often instead of, you know, our contributions. And 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 praise God, we've now got different figures, you know, who have contributed in different ways, Michelle Obama's and 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 different people in, in different realms who are not necessarily famous for performing. They're they're they've been made famous for their other contributions. Um but that 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 trauma of not being seen, of not being known, appreciated, you know, me talking about um, being abused and my, my father not being present created this hunger that said, well, if I perform, they'll love me. If I perform, they'll love me. And you, you get into that performance trap of feeling like this is the love that, you know, I've been missing. And it's not really love. You know, what, what fans give you, some of it is genuine, but, but a lot of times you're being objectified, you know, you're, they don't love all of the dynamics of who you are. They love what they can get out of you. And so the way a man objectifies a woman is he says, I just want the physical intimacy. I don't want the whole dynamic of your personality and your likes, your dislikes, your wants, your dreams, your goals, your favorite colors. I don't want all that. I just want the physical intimacy. That's all I need. And in the same way, that's how they treat public figures. They say, shut up and dribble, LeBron. We don't want none of your political opinions. We don't want none of nothing you got to say about race or none of that just do this. And so um, that was difficult for me, uh, just being in that performance trap. 
And um, I had to find myself. You're on so much, you you forget what who the real you is. So my close friends have become key because they were there to remind me who I was when the lights were off, when the cameras were off. And that 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 was very helpful and transformative for me. Can you talk to a little bit about, you know, right now, you know, you also talk in the book how a lot of rest, restoration came for you because so many people were dying. You know, mm-hmm. there were the, the people, you know, we didn't know, but who are like family, like the Mike Browns and Freddie Gray's, you know, and now George Florida of the world. You had your own personal loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all now, this race is now, uh, is the tentpole conversation we're all having, but we're also learning in real time. And you've had to learn in real time how you want to respond to things. How do you, how do you manage that? having to kind of learn on the spot and, and, and share. And then the fear of when you're learning that if there's a slip up, then you're being canceled. Yeah. But it's oh, like, man. oh, you're like, bro, I'm over here doing all this work. I'm over here <laughs> trying to yeah. learn, but you just, you know, yeah. just like that. Just like that. I, I think we should, we should fight for accountability culture and not cancel culture. I think it's great. Say that to keep again. People. Say that again. Say that again. That <laughs> I think time. we should fight for accountability culture and not cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's wise to hold people accountable, to hold their feet to the fire, uh, to to grow, to check their perspectives, to do some more educating of themselves. Um, but to cancel somebody uh, says that there's no room uh, for you to grow. There's no, there's no grace for you. There's no room for you to, to gain another vantage point and another perspective. And I mean, you know, my mama should have canceled me a long time ago if that's the case. Cause man, I, <laughs> I have, I was a handful. Um, but she did and she struggled, she strived, she worked with me and, and look at the fruit of that, right? Look at the fruit of her, uh, challenging me to grow, to hold me accountable to certain standards. And I think that's a wiser move uh, for us as a culture. I mean, I'm grateful for Black Twitter because Black Twitter will hold your feet to the fire. And, they, and you know, I, I survived the gauntlet, you know what I mean, of Black Twitter. And I'm grateful for it. You know, let's use our voices constructively. But we don't want to create a mob mentality where we kill valuable individuals and we mute them um, when they simply just needed to to grow. And it's hard to grow in public. A lot of people don't understand that, like to, to gain insight, to gain wisdom, and people's perspectives change. Now, mind you, after you challenge them, after you hold their feet to the fire, if they remain consistent in not trying to hear nothing you got to say, then maybe it's time to say, all right, you know, we just not, I'm not going. Terry Crews, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to just not pay attention right now, brother, because I don't know what you want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but we still we, we need each other. We need to uplift each other. I have to say, though, and I, I mean, this is definitely my personal opinion on that. But when I think about uh, people using Twitter as a means, right, to call people all out, particularly uh, entertainers, celebrities, you don't know someone's emotional mind state. Right. And where they're at at that moment. And I think what's been scary to watch is and we're seeing it play out with lots of people you know from tamar to different people we never really know how people are feeling and how stable they are and you know as we were mentioning earlier with covid and the pandemic and this new world a lot of us are going through a lot of things Mm 
Yes. And it may not be the day to tell someone they were wrong or you believe they are wrong or here's the fact they missed, even yes. if you're right. And yes. I'm wondering how as a community, this is just my thoughts, you didn't ask for this, but as a community, how we reconcile that because you're right. It's a great yeah. thing to do, but we, I'm glad mental health is in the forefront of the conversation. That's uh, true. No, I agree with you. I, I'll just, you know, prayers to Azalea Banks. I'm, yeah. I saw uh, her post the other day and and I agree with you. I think, um, I mean, he, you know, I went through that where you don't even recognize how social media is affecting your mental health. You know, I have tons of therapy sessions where my therapist is like, if you don't stay off of social media, don't nobody on there love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, that's good. That's good. I need to. And you're right. Um, I don't think it's a healthy medium, uh, you know, what for people to make snap judgments. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I do not respond well to visceral comments about something that I, I may have dropped the ball on. I respond well to people who take the time to, to correct me gently. I mean, even the Bible tells you to correct people gently. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there was a, 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 an author, a phenomenal author, Austin Channing Brown, uh, who, um, you know, challenged my perspective and said, hey, when you're having these conversations about race around white people, always center yourself around those who are at risk the most. So when you're having this conversation, think about the black folks in the room who are at risk and, and make sure you talk as if they're sitting there and that they can hear your voice. Don't center yourselves around the people who have the least to lose and try to placate and like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's okay if you say it this way or whatever. Always consider those who are, are suffering. She came at me so gently and so lovingly, she wasn't, she didn't, it wasn't like a pat on the back, but it was, it was firm, but it was gentle. And, and I could tell she wanted me to grow. She didn't just want to slap me. And I think that's a healthier way uh, for people to grow. But, but more than anything, I would tell folks, have some friends in your life to tell you, cause you know, they ain't going nowhere. You know, you know, they ain't going nowhere. They're going to tell you about yourself and they're going to be right there to help you walk through it. Yes. Yeah. I love when I'm being and forgive my language, being a biatch <laughs> and my uh, and I go back to my friends and I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I was just having a day. And they're like, we know, Corey, we got you. Right. We know you, were, you know, and, we, and you just move on because they know right. you. They, they but they but they also allow you to have a moment. Exactly. It's good or bad. And it's the same way, you know, um, when yeah. when they do it, you know, yeah. so I, I appreciate I agree. that. I needed I needed all the more because I think there's this there is a uh, a perception of you know uh, a, a Christian that you know there's just certain rules and I'm like listen I'm not here for y'all's approval you know what I mean and I need y'all to know I'm a human being you know I love God but yes that was me at Howard homecoming about to fight somebody because I was tripping that day you know what I'm saying and I need you to know that you know. Uh, and I'm growing. I'm a work in progress. It's not an excuse. It is, a you truth. know, the truth, honesty. So, yeah. I want to tiptoe right back into this album because I've got to know on Set Me Free. Can we talk about the shackles on my feet sample and why uh -huh. that sample still resonates today? Man, mm. I, I love it. Um, you know, 
A shout out to Erica and Tina Campbell, uh, my sisters, you know, who are phenomenal. Um, big sisters who always show me so much love. Uh, and, um, you know, I think when we listen to the radio today, there's a lot of references to like early 2000s or 90s R&B. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, yo, it's like, I'm gonna throw it back to Mary Mary. You know what I mean? Like this was a, this was a, a smash that we all connected with and resonate with. And right now in 2020, we still got these shackles on us emotionally, racially, even spiritually. And, uh, and, and, and we're not going to take it, you know, we're going to be set free from this stuff, you know? And, uh, and I think that's the mindset that we have right now. And so, um, I just wanted to, to, to channel that black woman energy and, uh, and, and put it out there, uh, you know, that, that Mary, Mary spiritual power, uh, and, and, and ride that wave one time. Well, speaking of power, you and John Legend on Drown. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorite artists as well. What was that collaboration like in that moment? John is, um, I said this before, but John is, uh, I love John. He's a nerd. John is a nerd, okay? He is, he is, and I'm glad you acknowledged that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's a brilliant mind. But we love smart dudes. We love smart dudes. We need him. We need him. We need him. Listen, I mean, you know, he's 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 brilliant and he's very thoughtful. And so even as he approached the music, he approached it from a thoughtful perspective and, you know, very technical. And, you know, and and for me, you know, probably with anybody else, I, I appreciate the technicality. But when it's John, I'm like, all right, brother, go ahead. Do let's do 20 more takes then if that's what you need to do. You know what I mean? So he's very particular um but he was humble at the same time so you know i mean john could have easily been like man you know i got a grammy a tony and emmy and oscar i don't know if i have time to just i'll see what i can do but he was like man i'd love to do this song song is amazing uh let's work on it you know and um you know just spent some some time uh processing through it and he took critique he took i was like man john what if we and he's like okay not a problem man this this dude is great so um it was phenomenal and he's he's a phenomenal guy you both work with that passion right that you put Mm. put it all on the track absolutely yeah oh man yeah he hit some notes he hit them notes i was like okay john okay (laughs) bring it back bring it back john so yeah i was i was excited it was it was fun man it was fun and it's exciting to see people's response to it as well and before we leave you, how long have you been working on this album? Like, did, how long has it been in the works? I mean, is this something you've, is this a COVID album or is this something that was done before? <laughs> Deep End is a COVID song for sure. I okay. mean, that was like, uh, um, George Floyd died and I got the pen to the pad. I was like, I can't, I, I gotta, there's some stuff I gotta say. And, um, and so, you know, that was, that was a moment for me, um, and um, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and let the cat out the bag. Look, look for the look for the remix with my homegirl Rhapsody in the future. So just stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. Who's um, taking the hook on that? Uh, it's it's actually a uh, a sample. So one of my friends, okay. he went in Ace Harris, went in the studio, created a sample, and then and re, and just like did his magic to make it happen. So, um, 
but uh but the album was definitely the reason why it's called restoration is because i wrote it in, as i was going through a process of restoration so it, it took about two years you know to really create this project um i it was just authentic it's raw it takes you through my journey it takes you from you know me saying i'm i'm in bad shape and i need to be set free you know i got a song a song on there uh, Saturday night where I'm like, you know, it's Saturday night. I'm out and I'm out at a party. I'm in LA and I'm thinking to myself, well, what are we doing? Like, what is it? What are we chasing here? And just having those moments. And then Sunday morning where I'm like, you know what? I am, I'm getting my life. You know what I mean? I am not finna get on this, this hamster wheel any longer. Um, and Kirk Franklin is on there and he says some amazing things. Um, and then, you know, you end with nothing left to hide, which is what the book obviously talks about. It's just that when you tell on yourself, can nobody can tell you anything. You know, you don't have anything you can hold over my head. I'm totally free. I told on myself, and um, and I'm I'm free from your scrutiny and from from it all. You know, and so that's uh that's 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 restoration in a nutshell. Well, and speaking of your journey, and you know, to close, you've obviously learned a lot of lessons, um, had a lot of wins. What has been your biggest triumph so far? Ooh. And I know that's a tough question. <laughs> oh, my biggest triumph. Um, you know what? I, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, my biggest triumph is being consistent at being present. Um, when you are constantly, and, and, and you all know, you guys are, are incredible. You're busy. You, you do a lot of amazing things. Um, you're on so much. You're going, going, going to, to stop, to be present, to be in the moment, to listen to your daughter, tell you all the intricacies of the slime that she has made <laughs> and to, to dive into the, Oh, wh now, why did you use red? Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so now, now there's glitter. And you, okay, okay, okay. Now that's okay. When when you can, that has been my greatest accomplishment is to, you know what? I don't care what the phone is talking about. I'm not worried about no charts today. It's my baby girl in this glitter and this slime. That is, I mean, man, people don't understand how big that is. That's that's the accomplishment of a lifetime. I, I never wanted to ride the train to success and look behind me and see my family run over on the tracks mm. and uh and that's that's been phenomenal for me of course Thank he ended with that. Word, Corey. exactly i was going to add an anecdote but i wanted to just leave it hanging here because it's so beautiful <laughs> thank you thank you i'll tell oh, you no. in the back room i'll tell you in the back room okay okay <laughs> okay thank you lecrae thank you no, for your time you, Absolutely. and stay safe y'all too man god bless Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Raphael Sadiq, Kelly Rowland, Regina King, and Fantasia. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there, be sure to rate us and review us. See you next week. Bye.